0: Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of yon McCool, Cool Cullen, Deirdre, of the sorrows, Grown, your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the drooping and solitary. And who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olan, I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 67 of Fireside. I'm coming to you for the third week in a row from isolation in quarantine in my home in Wicklow Town, in County Wicklow. Um, I am not in the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network studios in Dublin yet again. This is the third week, well it's the fourth week I've been in quarantine anyway, during during the efforts by the government to stop the spread of the coronavirus, or coronavirus, I keep calling it the coronavirus, COVID-19. I hope that wherever you are, in the country, in the world, that you're safe, that you're indoors. And I hope that this podcast can and continues to give you an, a slight respite, a little bit of a break from it all, um, which I think we all do need at the moment. And yes, I do hope you're well. We None of us know. I'm doing okay at the moment in terms of I've been reasonably productive and trying to keep myself relatively fit and healthy. I'm lucky that I'm in the countryside. And so that given the two kilometre radius that we're only allowed to walk in 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 Ireland anyway we're only allowed to go within two kilometers of our homes I'm lucky that I'm in a beautiful surrounding here that I can go for walks around and I'm close to the sea that I can still get uh, a swim in the sea keep my immune system up it is absolutely horrendously cold at the moment but I'm very fortunate that I have that but even still it's it's approaching a month of this now of the uncertainty of the not working And really it gets, it definitely gets harder and harder each day for all of us, but, but definitely, definitely I've felt it on and off and increasingly so as we, as we seem to not know more and more how long, as we see I suppose, as we, we all come to realise more and more just the severity, the increasing severity and how we, none of us really do know how long this will go on, but Again, I've been saying this the last couple of weeks, I hope that you're listening to this podcast in months of time, that you're someone who started listening around this time and has only just caught up. And I hope that by the time you are listening to this, it is a distant memory. But if you are listening to this when it comes out this week, I've tried to record these as close, as up-to-date as possible. I hope that it can be some break for you, some solace and respite during this difficult time. And I am incredibly inarticulate as always when I try to go off the cuff like that but I just want to say thank you very much to all of my all of those who listen to this podcast regularly and indeed if you are a new listener you are welcome along if you enjoy this podcast please do subscribe to it please do leave ratings um, and reviews wherever you get your podcasts Uh, please do follow me on Instagram at firesidebard all one word uh, best place to keep in touch with me if you want to message me or if you have any requests about the podcast or just to see what the latest news is with the podcast or what I'm doing personally. And if you really want to support the podcast now, is of course never been a better time to support the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. Um, you can do so there, any amount at all you see fit. The The support on Patreon has never been more appreciated than it is at the moment and I totally understand those who who are patrons that times are tough, a lot of us aren't working and if you need to not be a patron anymore, I totally understand that as well. But if this is a time where you are working and you have been a listener of this podcast and you think, think I would like to support independent artists during this time there would never be a better time than to do it right now but that is totally up to yourselves I am not going to stop doing this podcast regardless I've considered myself very fortunate that I have the equipment to record this podcast in isolation for you all to hear and it's of course a great joy for me to get to record as well and to get to write and research and I get to keep going with some semblance of my normal routine and that's really I think that's really helped my mental health is to keeping in in what routine we can not to feel there's definitely a huge amount of pressure particularly on artists that now that we have the time and space that this is supposed to be the time that we're writing and creating our great masterpieces and it's putting an incredible amount of pressure on artists and artists aren't being allowed to grieve for our industry that is on its knees at the moment but that should be okay as well I think I've been in contact with a lot of my Fellow colleagues about this, and there's definitely a pressure felt across the board like that. But it's really the more we talk about it, the more I think it makes people feel okay that yes, it's okay to be upset and it's okay that you're not doing anything, you know, because this is a global crisis. We are all going through this, some to more severe degrees than others, but there is no one who has been totally unaffected by this. This has been worldwide, and I absolutely am one of the fortunate ones. Um, with what with what I have here I'm very very grateful for that but I am still feeling it as much as as much as anyone and we've all got to be there for each other that we can stay in touch with your friends, stay in touch with their family if you can't be with them as we all would like to be. So with that in mind, Again, as I say, I'm fortunate that I have the equipment that I can record pod- this, uh, that I can record Fireside from home. And if this podcast sounds different in any way, hopefully it should sound better. It is because I've recently invested in a new microphone, which I'm very excited about. It is a road, a road a condenser microphone, which... If you're not familiar with your microphones, it basically looks like the kind of microphone you would see in an old recording studio or in a or in a, any recording studio, really, but in any old voiceover booths. It's got the proper pop, pop filter and all, and uh, I'm very excited about it. I don't really know what to do with my hands. I've got a much more freedom. I've got it sitting upright in my chair and uh, gesturing with my hands an awful lot. I hope you can't hear that too much because it's a better microphone but it also will pick up more of the room so I'm this is this is essentially an experiment I bought it the other day because I wanted to try and make the podcast better while I can and this condenser will be really good particularly if I want to record more music which I do want to do and I'm very excited about using it so I hope it does end up sounding good my editor Jamie will tell me sure enough if it does work or not but for now it's really fun to be using a new microphone to have a new toy to experiment with. I'm going to get down to the story now because this is a story from a book called Wicklow Folktales by Brendan Nolan. There is this series of books that you can find in... um, I've seen them in a few places to be fair. Uh, They are... I hope you can't hear, there is a radiator on in my house and the heat is switching on. So it's just kind of clinking every now and then. So I hope that isn't audible. I hope you can't hear from there. I hope, uh, I don't have the sensitivity turned right up, so hopefully it shouldn't get that far away. You probably will notice it now that I've said it, in which case I apologize. But there is, um, anyway, there is this series of books. I must find out what the publisher is, but the, oh wait, here it is. I've got a nice little pile of books here in my little home office space that I've carved out. Wicklow Folktales, Brendan Nolan. um, The History Press, Ireland. They've published this fantastic collection. I don't know if it's all 32 counties. I certainly hope it is. But I think it is, uh, where it's a different book of folktales from each county. And this is a book I actually had a long time. I had this before I had a lot of the other books I've used as sources and I don't think I really ever gave it a good chance because it was done in where there would be names of stories but they were more themes so it would be one specific story and then other stories like that but they were all too short to necessarily become a full-length story that I would be looking for this podcast so I think I didn't really give it a chance but since I've been home and I've spent more time in Wicklow in my family home than I have since genuinely since I was in school I moved out of home when I was 19 when I was in college and I haven't returned for this long since then this has now become longer than the longest of a Christmas break and it's been really nice it's been really nice spending this time with my parents and spending this time in my hometown which I didn't have the greatest relationship with growing up, but that's, that's another story. And, but it's been really, really nice to reconnect with my hometown and with my home county. So with that in mind, I picked up this Wicklow Folk Tales book again, because I also feel that I'm nearly after, after the last story, Tom, the fairies that we used from the book on meeting the other crowd, I started to find trouble finding new stories in that book, so I thought I needed to find a new source again or go back to one of my old sources. But so in the Wicklow Folktales book, I found a new source and I found a couple of fantastic stories and a couple of little nuggets that I can form into more stories. And so the next few weeks, when we aren't doing the myths, when we aren't continuing the myths, uh, all the folktales I imagine are going to be from this book of Wicklow Folktales, which is really nice to be doing stories from my home county, I certainly have repurposed a lot of the stories we have used before <coughs> Beg your pardon, and changed them to Wicklow but these ones are genuinely from there so this has been a very very long introduction but it's worth talking about the things that are going on at the moment and to reconnect with you the listeners of this podcast and for me to yeah, feel like there is a, a dialogue a communication between us So, this is a story called A Hand in the Dark on Fireside. A Hand in the Dark As long as there have been believers, there naturally have been disbelievers. So, as long as there have been people who acknowledge, respect and often fear the other folk and creatures of the other world, there have been those who disrespect, deny existence, and laugh at the notion of such things. And in Ballygobin, in South County Wicklow, there was a fairy wrath that rumour had it was a cover for a literal gold mine. And there was a group of narrow-minded fellas out on the bier one night, and they decided amongst themselves, let's take our picks and shovels, march to the top of that fairy wrath." And see what's buried there. And after various cheers and the clinking of glasses, the mob returned to their respective homes, grabbed their gold-digging accoutrements, and set out for them thar hills. The dig proved fruitless, but deeper and deeper these men dug. When it looked less and less likely that this drunken decision was going to bear fruit, one by one the posse dispersed, until there was only one would-be prospector left. The last digger was a farmer, whose idea the whole thing had been. He was convinced fairy wraths were the biggest scam in the Irish countryside. He thought people just buried treasure there and placed enough stones in a circle around it to ward off robbers but that wouldn't stop this farmer. On and on he dug his shovel into earth and scooped it back out behind him until the hole was so deep he nearly couldn't climb out again. The farmer took note of this and tested whether or not he could still safely climb back out before he dug his own grave, so to speak. When the farmer successfully climbed out of the hole, there standing at its edge was a devil, shrouded in black with Burning red eyes, it made an instant believer out of this sceptical farmer. Not a word or sound made the monster, before his victim screamed, threw down his shovel, and ran away from the sight and back home. Word very quickly spread of this incident. For one thing, many locals could hear the cries of the farmer as he burst a gut running home. When you haven't been the one to actually experience something like this, it doesn't really matter how much of a believer or a sceptic you are, you tend to question it. So many doubted that this farmer had in fact seen a devil. They thought it was a trick or a hallucination from digging fatigue, so there were a few avariciously minded heads knocking about who thought that they would go up to that fairy rat on the hill to see for themselves if any gold had been found and in turn dropped in the escape. But even the most hard-hearted sorts who laughed the whole thing off still thought better of returning to that spot at night. They waited for the safety of the light of morning. And when those vultures arrived at the site, they got a surprise of their very own when they not only discovered no gold, they found that the entire hole had been filled in. No one ever found out who was the one to fill in that hole, but no one ever went near that fairy wrath again. For his part, the farmer felt he had had a lucky escape. Too lucky, he thought. Oh, for sure that devil isn't done with me for disturbing his fairy ring. So the farmer became incredibly paranoid. He got a gun license and bought himself a shotgun and became incredibly overprotective of his only daughter. But the farmer's daughter was 16 and of an age where all she wanted to do was stay out late and run the risk of meeting a few devils of her own. But the father put his foot down and refused to let his daughter out at all. But such things will always find a way, and the girl soon began to have meetings with a young gentleman in the barn of her father's farm. And one such night, as the farmer's daughter met with her latest young buck, they perhaps made a little bit too much noise, because her father happened to be passing at the exact wrong moment, and heard a commotion inside the barn. The farmer was sure it was some drunk or homeless person attempting to take refuge in his barn on a cold night. And let's just say the farmer was not feeling like a good Samaritan on this occasion. Whoever's in there, the farmer called out to the barn, come out now. On the inside of the barn, things were getting hot and heavy between the farmer's daughter and her young buck. And needless to say, the mood was ruined by the sound of her father outside. Oh, God, it's my dad, said the daughter. That is not ideal, said the young buck. The two young lovers began to search frantically for somewhere to hide, but without moving a muscle. They hoped that if they produced no more noise, maybe the farmer would think it was his imagination and return to the house. When the farmer received no answer to his call, he did indeed think his mind was playing tricks on him, Nevertheless, he would have to investigate to put his mind at ease. The lovers listened closely and were alarmed by the approaching footsteps. It was too late to hide. They waited the inevitable. But the farmer was still a nervous man after his encounter with the devil, and so cautiously put a hand through the gap in the barn door and reached around for the light switch on the left. The daughter and the young buck watched in horror as the illuminated hand reached into the darkness. They awaited their doom, but at that last moment, an idea entered the young buck's mind. He had often heard the story of this farmer and his superstitious ways, so without thinking his decision through, the young buck reached out and grabbed the farmer's hand. The wail that was released from the farmer's mouth terrified both himself and the young lovers. The daughter and the young buck had to cover both their mouths to stop themselves screaming as they heard the sound of the farmer sprinting back into the house. The daughter belted the young buck. "'What did you do that for?' "'Hey, it worked, didn't it? Your old fellow really is terrified of the devil.' Regardless of whether or not he thought your cold hands were the devil, he'll be back. I do not have cold hands, said the young buck. It's like holding hands with the inside of a fridge, said the daughter. Now come on before he comes back. Sure enough, the farmer had run back into the house and had returned outside armed with his beloved shotgun. He would not live in fear of a devil in his own home so he thought to fire a shot in the air would make sure there was no mortal inside. Just as the farmer made his way back to the shed, the buck and the daughter were creeping out the back door and into the fields. I can't see a thing, said the young buck. Just run from here through the back fields until you reach the road. I'll be killed. You'll have a better chance in the fields than you would at the business end of my father's shotgun. Your father has a shotgun? Yes. Why? To scare off devils. So unless you want to be a bookshot full of bookshot, run. And just before the young buck ran into the dark fields, he turned back to the girl and said, Will I see you again? If I live through tonight, absolutely. They kissed one last time and the young buck galloped off into the night. All well and good for him, but now the daughter had to find her own way back into the house. Covered in darkness, she crept round the barn, holding her breath, feeling each step to not trip over any mislaid farm tools. The girl managed to walk past her own father without him noticing. When she was safely back at the house, the girl ran back into the light and shouted, "'What is it, Daddy?' The farmer got another fright on this night with too many frights already and swung round to see his daughter. Where did you come from? I've been inside all night. Have you? Yeah. So where else would I be? Not like I can go out. With his daughter as an audience now, the bravado and false confidence within the farmer blossomed and he called out with gusto, "'Whoever is haunting my barn, come out now. "'I'm locked and loaded, and I have a gun too.' "'Of course, there was no answer. "'So the farmer went to the barn, and like reaching into a fire, "'he reached his hand into the barn and flicked on the light switch. "'With the barn now illuminated in a wash of light, "'the farmer first stuck the gun, then his head inside.' Seeing no one, he began to search every last inch of the barn, determined to justify the whole ordeal. When nothing was found, he shouldered his gun, realized he must have scared them off, and returned to the house. His daughter was still waiting for him when he returned, which was characteristically unlike her, the farmer thought. He looked at the Rubik's Cube that was his child. There was something not right but he couldn't put his finger on it and hadn't enough proof or energy to ask questions. So the farmer merely sighed and went to bed. After a sleepless night, the farmer told all his neighbours what had happened and asked them if they had found any strange characters in their own barns or seen anyone prowling around. None of them had. So while the farmer was initially satisfied to let the matter rest he could not kill his suspicion of his own daughter. He went home and questioned her about what exactly she had been doing the night before and who with. But the daughter replied, Dad, if I was going to sneak out, I think I'd chance somewhere farther than the barn. The farmer couldn't argue with that and had to let the whole thing remain a mystery. The story of the hand in the dark soon became a local folktale, and a mocking one at that. Well within the farmer's lifetime, people would laugh at the story of the farmer who'd been grabbed in the night time in his own barn. It even became a prank for young people to play, where they would knock on people's doors, run away or hide in their barns, waiting for a hand to grab. A dangerous game given the potential for these farmers to be armed. As for the daughter and the young buck, well, unfortunately they never met up again. The buck's eye wandered to another less troublesome household, and the girl lost her appetite for meeting gentlemen in the barn. But she never told her father the truth, that it had been the young buck's hand in the night. Partly because she blamed her father for the loss of her man, and partly to keep the memory of that wild... Dangerous and exciting night alive. The end. And that was the story of the hand in the dark on Fireside. Hope you enjoyed it. Very different kind of tale. This story, again, was from this book of folk tales, Wicklow Folk Tales, uh, compiled by Brendan Nolan. And it was a collection of a few little stories, two two main stories. Well, the certainly the meat and do veg is absolutely the story of the hand in the dark. And actually, the story of meeting the devil while digging the hole was a different story that was unconnected, but was used as an example of people running into devils and why there was superstition. So I saw no reason why it couldn't be a nice introduction to why this farmer would be so paranoid and why he would believe if he was grabbed in the nighttime that it would be a devil but what I really like about this story is how grounded it is obviously there's a sighting of a devil at the beginning but otherwise it is one of the more grounded in realism stories we've had but what's really nice is it shows the essence of being the foundation of a folktale stories like this are how folktales start they start with something very real that definitely happened often than not or some circumstance that then over time grow arms and legs and that's whether you believe in these things or not I, th- I think so that's what's really nice is we have this just little love story that like just seems very real I really liked this this wily young daughter and this young man and him having to run off into the back fields you know it's something that we could still see happening today that has been happening for many many years every generation still has that human instinct and it was really nice to to write this daughter and to write the young book and it's again people know like I'm always talking about that it's often images that really grab me you know, there's, ne- there's very rarely pictures in any of these books. There actually are illustrations in the Wicklow tales books, but it's quite rare in the bo- research books I use that there's any kind of illustration or picture. And usually what grabs me, if I'm picking a story to adapt, is when an image just really sticks in my mind and this image of the hand in the dark. Because, of course, you know, we all grow up afraid of the dark. That's one of the most classic things. And the idea of an adult being afraid of the dark, because the dark can hold anything, and it could even hold a devil. So this this sole image of this hand reaching through and this hand being grabbed really just got me, and I thought that was, that was really, that was really great. Ballygobben is not a place I know in Wicklow now. I'm hoping, there have been a few stories I've found from more around where I live. Wicklow's not that big a county, relatively speaking, but it is mountainous and it is scenic and there is a lot of nooks and crannies throughout it I think it's a very fertile landscape for folklore considering I haven't heard a huge amount of it myself there are no there are very few uh I haven't really come across any myths you know set in Wicklow but I hope that that'll all change now as I dive deeper and deeper into this Wicklow Folk Tales book and I'm sure I hope it'll give me another ...a new view of my own home county... ...while I am isolated here... ...and walking around it. But as we are... ...yes, that was... ...because we had quite a long introduction... ...so I will wrap things up there now. I've been really enjoying using this new piece of equipment... ...using this road microphone. It was actually really nice having my hands free... ...and I hope it sounded a bit different now. I know I sounded a little bit... ...sound a little bit hoarse at the moment... ...which just makes no sense... ...because I haven't been out drinking and screaming and shouting... But I have been uh, singing a fair bit and I've been trying to pass around and I've probably seen stuff that's a bit too high for me. A bit too high and dry. But I hope you still enjoyed this episode and you enjoyed this story. A bit of a different one. bit of a compilation kind of tale. But I enjoyed it and I hope you did too. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you're well. I hope you're safe wherever you are. And I hope that you continue to enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoy writing it. Be safe, be well. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave ratings and reviews, all that. Follow me on Instagram at firesidebart. If you can donate to the Patreon, patreon.com for us fireside podcast. Thanks so much to everyone at Headstuff, to Alan and Paddy. and thank you to Jamie, my producer, for continuing to edit this podcast. I'll see you all next time and don't forget wherever you are, you can always join me by the fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.